When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Uh, welcome to the latest episode of our Talk is Cheap podcast from NJ Advanced Media, the Star Ledger, and NJ.com. It is uh, Tuesday afternoon, November the 14th right now. Daryl Slater here. Uh, Andy Vasquez now joining us on, on this podcast. I think I mentioned this last week, uh, Bob Rookover doing the Eagles now for us. Uh, I'm sure Bob will still do, do some giant stuff. I'll, I'll be doing giant stuff. We'll have a rotating cast of folks helping on the giants here down the home stretch of this rough, rough season to say the least. Um, and so Bob, you can find him over on our Eagles podcast going forward. Um, well, well, you know, since he'll mostly be doing, um, Eagles stuff and obviously the jets really interesting. So we're kind of pivoting here and making this for the second half of the season, uh, a New York football podcast as the giants rebuild and the jets try to find their way at kind of this weird all inish stage of their own rebuild, obviously with the, possibility of Aaron Rodgers coming back or whatever. Um, so Andy's with me. The Jets obviously lost in Las Vegas on Sunday in just, I guess, crazy, you know, just typical fashion for their season. Not Nothing going on offense again. Um, we can get to, we, you all know, you all saw the Giants um, disaster in Dallas. We'll get to all that. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, this is where these two teams are at right now. The Giants a complete disaster. The Jets sort of on the brink of perhaps slipping into that. Um, so, Andy, what's going on, man? How's it going? Good to, good to hear from you, Daryl. Yeah, it's it's going well. And I, I don't think they're at complete disaster yet, but it's it's teetering. And I think a lot of people have lost faith given what they've seen from the offense, given what the schedule looks like going up. And you feel bad about the Giants, guys. Just, just think the Jets haven't scored a touchdown since – Brees Hall caught that 50-yard pass against the Giants at the end of the first quarter with 106 left. It's been 166 minutes and six seconds since their last touchdown. Not good. Um, and, you know, there's really no sign of it getting better because they've been struggling against defenses that haven't been that good, including the Chargers, who had the worst pass defense in the NFL, and they just can't sustain drives and they, meanwhile, they have one of the best defenses in the NFL, and you have this tension there because this is the second straight year where their offense is letting the defense down, and they're squandering a playoff window. And 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 yeah, and who knows with Aaron Rodgers what's going to happen there? But it's certainly interesting and and unpleasant for Jets fans. So I'm sure um, the Giants fans listening in that way will will enjoy that too. And and for the Jets fans tuning in for the first time, we'll have lots of of good insight about what you really should be worried about and 
and what you shouldn't be worried about and, and realistically what is going to happen here down the stretch because there's a lot to sort through. It's it's a lot of drama um, and, and a little bit of a mess as it always kind of is with the Jets, as, as Jets fans know and admit. And all of those Jets fans who traveled to Vegas could see firsthand uh, with you know the the penalties and, and everything the Jets do to shoot themselves in the foot. So it's, it's going to be an interesting finish to the season with with all these moving parts and how can they set themselves up for next year with Aaron Rodgers or are they actually going to bring this guy back this year? Uh, there, there's a lot of moving parts. Yeah, I think you know the tension is the one kind, and hopefully we'll get some Jets folks tuning into this, um, you know, as we go. But this is the time of year where you start to see some of that tension in the NFL, middle of November. Whether it's a team like the Giants who had high expectations to start the year and just never really got going, uh, for various reasons from incompetence to injuries, and they've really spiraled into like pretty much disaster mode with some of the things we saw on the sideline with uh we you guys all know right all the arguing that was going on on the sideline and obviously the giants are going to say what they're going to say about it but um and then you had a couple defensive leaders in the locker room dexter lawrence and xavier mckinney declining to talk to reporters after a game in which the giants allowed 640 yards the second most in the entire history of the franchise i mean it's it's a bad look Uh, sorry but you know a 26 year old man who just made 60 million bucks wanting to spend extended time with his family on his birthday rather than, you know, a shorter amount of time. It's it's not a legitimate excuse for not being accountable. I'm, no one's saying that's the Giants' biggest problem, but sorry, that's just not an illegitimate excuse. Actually, I'm not sorry. It's not a legitimate excuse. Um, but whatever, it doesn't make Dexter Lawrence a bad guy. It doesn't make him a bad player. It doesn't make him a bad leader. It just means that in that moment, he did not show accountability. And again, no one's saying that that's the biggest problem for the Giants. Uh, obviously, the on-field product is a much bigger deal, and it's certainly not Dexter Lawrence's fault that they're a disaster on the field, including on defense. Um, so yeah, I think the tension you see, whether it's a case like the giants, a team that's been in the toilet all year or like the bills, right? Because right now you're seeing it with the bills, high expectations. They lose last night to the Broncos and you see Stefan Diggs brother saying, get, you know, he needs to get out of there or the giant, the jets, right. Who have kind of teased people all year with this, you know, will they, or won't they get over the hump without Aaron Rodgers with this great defense? What is your sense here? We all saw the tension, uh, visibly, from what was going on with the Giants, what is your sense and your and your just your observations of, of where the tension stuff stands with the Jets right now? Well, the Jets, we saw it earlier in the year where Aaron Rodgers actually had to tell them to grow up because of these displays from guys like Garrett Wilson and and some of the other young guys on the sideline. So I think they've done a better job of kind of tamping it down. You know, Brees Hall also vented some frustration week two after not getting the ball. And I think they've made a conscious effort to kind of reduce the nonsense, but it's still like simmering under the surface. You know, when Sauce Gardner saying the other night that he's not surprised that they're under 500, despite how well the defense has played because they're not playing complimentary football. And, and, but that's just like true. And I think what's happening at this point is that they just, the, the frustration that this is happening again and how they're managing it. And they're not, at the point where the season is lost yet, because they they did just have a three game winning streak. They, they've lost two in a row. They're four and five. It's in some ways it looks like an overreaction, but they also haven't scored a touchdown on a drive of longer than one play since October first. Like their last four touchdowns, including that one to Brees Hall, have all been. I think I even 
I may have mentioned this on that podcast going into the Giants game, but they've all been one one play, big plays. You know, Brees Hall, 72-yard run in Denver. Um, you know, Brees Hall, the, the run against – the catch against the Giants. Brees Hall being gifted a touchdown by the Eagles. Those are their only three touchdowns since October 1st. So – and you start to extrapolate that projected forward. How are they going to beat anybody if they can't be relied upon to score a touchdown – without luck. And I think that's where the frustration is setting in. And, and, you know, Zach Wilson has been slightly better than last year, but he's still the worst statistical quarterback in the NFL by any major measure. And you start to factor all these things in. And it's a team that like knows that it can't, it shouldn't, you know, turn on each other. It can't have these moments like the giants are having because we've seen, you know, how it kind of snowballed from there, but it, it seems like it's only a matter of time until the frustration comes out. And when you're trying to to hide it, it's that's when it really explodes. So I think that's where it gets interesting here. Something's got to give, like they're going to have to score some points where the defense is going to have that game that nobody expects where, where it comes back to earth and it's hard to blame them because it's just, you can't ask an NFL unit to be perfect all the time. We saw the jet special teams meltdown a few weeks ago, I think in part because they have to be so good for the Jets to to win. And I, I think the same thing eventually is going to happen to the defense. And now you've got a very angry Bills team, uh, Josh Allen, who has been, you know, kind of that all of his all of his struggles have kind of started with the Jets and, and the way they they take took away his deep option and kind of created a blueprint for other teams to do it. Um and if if the Bills come here with a with a different scheme, I could see this being a, a rough week for the Jets defense, just getting caught off guard, and and that's how the, the season would snowball. Yeah, and of course the the Bills firing Ken Dorsey, uh, who was the guy who replaced Brian Dable. Obviously, uh, they promoted him when Brian Dable left from QB coach. Now he's out the he was to OC. Now he's out the door. Joe Brady is in, uh, who's you know highly pretty highly regarded young coach who was a former OC and. Um, Carolina there under Matt Rule, uh, he got fired there. So they did the same thing. They bumped their quarterback coach up. Um, but, yeah, you talk about the the struggles that um, Josh Allen has had. I mean, he he didn't play well against the Jets in week one. And then week six, the Giants did win that game, but uh, or did lose that game, rather. The Bills won it 14-9, so it's not like he played great there. So it's been a kind of a weird, unexpectedly disappointing year for Josh Allen and, and the Bills. And, um, you know, I think that that's – you talk about common denominators between these two teams and reasons why they've struggled so much really since, you know, for the jets since 2015 for the giants since, um, 2016. Right. And the exceptions kind of sort of last year for both teams and especially for the giants. But, uh, you know, you see, you've seen a lot of tension and we talked about tension, uh, obviously we you see that a lot through the years, but also you've seen a lot of just inept offensive play. I mean, and that's where a lot of this comes has come from with these two teams. You're not winning in the NFL with as bad as these offenses have been. Right now, uh, and you're talking about like over the totality of this time, right? These teams have had terrible offenses and, and, and offensive lines especially. Right now, the Jets are 30th in PFF, Pro Football Focus's offensive ratings. The Giants are 32nd. You're not winning. I mean, you look at the bottom teams, the bottom four teams. Arizona at 2-8. and eight. Now, granted, they're getting Kyler Murray back, so that's sort of a caveat there. Obviously, the Jets at at uh, 30 because Arizona's tied with Pittsburgh at 28. Then Carolina at 31, they're one and eight. And then, then the giants at 32. So you're not, if you're at the bottom like that in offense, you're just not going to be even respectable in the NFL. So 
The, the difference here, of course, is that the Jet defense is the for the best defense in the league, and the Giant defense is currently 23rd in PFF. And uh, I think that there needs to be some long, hard looks here taken at whether Wink Martindale is actually the answer for this defense because he's a prominent name, and I said it last week. Uh, you know, he clearly thinks highly of himself. Um, really, we, we we addressed – we didn't even – I didn't even get a chance to address this with Bob, but Wink Martindale basically came out swinging – and did not really squash down what Xavier McKinney said in terms of like moving on from it. Like he, he was, he talked at length about it. Um, okay. So uh, let's go see your defense produce. And it didn't, they got destroyed in Dallas. So um, the, the bigger question for these two teams, I think, as we discuss them broadly here in, in tandem, how much more of this, these like brutally, uh, inept showings are is ownership going to take right like if you're woody johnson and you see an offense that just straight up is not producing it's not like they lost that game 21 to 20 you know what i mean like and they were in it they didn't score a touchdown so so what are the consequences here like is there a world where nathaniel hackett isn't back as the oc next year well i I actually funny enough wrote about this on tuesday that you know for joe douglas and robert sala what is the threshold for for them to be on the hot seat, for them to to keep their jobs. And I think in a normal year, they'd be in deep, deep, deep trouble. And the X factor here is Aaron Rodgers. Like all of this, every insane decision. And there are, there are so many insane decisions that they've made in building this roster. The most insane to make Zach Wilson, your only backup, your only option. If something happens to the oldest quarterback in the NFL, which it did force plays in the season, it's, it's malpractice. It's indefensible. But if it's what Aaron Rodgers wants and if it's what is going to keep him happy and here next year for them to have a chance to, to, I guess, run it back and do it again and take the same kind of risk with a 40-year-old who's now coming off an Achilles injury, um, that it's what you have to do. But, yeah, and I think that's what it comes down to. I think Nathaniel Hackett's going to get a pass he wouldn't get because they're not going to fire Aaron Rodgers' buddy who wants his play caller because – even if Aaron Rodgers doesn't like the play call, like we may have seen the other night on, on video where it sure looked like he was shaking his head after a hack at yeah. play call, like Rodgers is going to change the play of the line of scrimmage when the call comes into his headset. So he doesn't really care. It's about, you know, the, the tone that's set during the, the week and the overall game plan for him. So it's just like a different set of rules, you know, in, in terms of, you know, if, if they stuck with Zach Wilson and Aaron Rodgers isn't there, I mean, they'd be at risk of getting fired next week. Both of them because they both made that choice. They both were here when that choice was made. But, um, you know, if Aaron Rodgers is Zach Wilson's buddy and, and has said all these things about wanting to develop him and wanting to keep him around after, you, you kind of starts to make sense why, like, they, they haven't, you know, pulled the trigger on a quarterback change that, like, it's very interesting to hear Robert Sala talk about how, it's not fair to blame it all on Zach and you really have to know it's all on one player when you pull the trigger on a quarterback change. And then you remember like less, this is less than a year ago. He benched him three times in the same season. So, exactly. so it's just, it's, it's, it's all kind of, if you, if you're trying to figure out the common thread here, it all goes back to the fact that they're the, they're the two guys who brought Aaron Rodgers here, Joe Douglas and Robert Sala. And if they are gone, there's a chance Aaron Rodgers isn't going to want to be here in 2024, and that's not a risk Woody Johnson really 
is willing to take, I'm sure, and can take because of, of everything that will come with it. So they're in a unique situation in terms of they just kind of have to get through this year without it being a complete disaster. And even if they have less wins at six wins than they had last year at seven, you know, normally that Zach would be a death. Yeah. Blame it on Zach Wilson. Move on. You can't, you and you can't, you know, you know, do anything about it. You can't say they didn't make process because they could progress. Cause it just all be like, well, if Aaron Rodgers hadn't popped his Achilles week four, so they have cover there. Totally um, cover. The ultimate yeah. excuse. And that's what's interesting. Like I, the thing you mentioned about Wink, for, like I don't know if you talked about it last week, but what did you make of that? Because that seemed like an insane escalation to me in, in a situation that's already like kind of spinning out of control. Like why the, the guy apologized? Why not just just move on? What what did you make of him like making an issue out of that? And and what effect do you think that has on his job security going forward? Because it definitely couldn't have made things easier on Brian Dable. No, I mean, look, I. I... So Xavier McKinney said what he said. He didn't call Week Martindale by name, but he did openly criticize him essentially uh, after the Raider loss, basically saying the players leaders weren't being listened to. Uh, okay, you know. Uh, and then on Tuesday at his charity event, Xavier McKinney he didn't really he didn't he didn't apologize. He didn't. Uh, he basically okay. said they touched it out and we're good. But he he didn't. And then he answered two questions on it. And said I just want to move on from it. Okay, that's what you'd expect. Then Week Martindale on Thursday, so two days later after what McKinney said, you know, he he had said, you know, I talked to him about it you know we're gonna leave it at that but then he didn't leave it at that he kept being asked more questions about it. of course we're gonna ask more questions i mean i'm never gonna criticize someone for being honest like i or you know for talking when that's what he wanted to say that that's what he wanted to say like i we want people to be honest like that's that's what we're trying to do people say we're trying to get things out of people it's not really you know you're trying to get honesty out of people right that's the that's the job you want yep. people to be honest. Like you don't. What's really happening? Yep. What's really happening here? That's what, what we're trying to tell. Happening? That's the yep. whole thing. And so, if that's what he's really feeling, certainly. Now, was from a broader sense, like if you put yourself in the giant shoes, is it the smartest decision for him to say every single thing or almost everything that's on his mind about a about a incendiary situation? Like, no, it's not. It's not. It, it's it comes off as obviously he was defensive, and he and you know he said he was hurt. Okay that that's great. That's all valid. I'm not trying to invalidate what he's saying. And I'm, I am, it makes for great content and everything, but uh, it certainly didn't do anything to, to put the story to bed. Um, and of course we're all going to go write it. And that's the funny thing that he said, he was like, you know, we, we, we talked to these guys about, and I should have like kind of called it out in the moment, but like, uh, or at least when I was writing what I was writing, but he's like, we talked to these guys about, you know, not giving these quotes uh, to you all because it was the craziest thing to say like they're taking money out of our pockets like he's saying like the teams and putting it in yours like the media it's like okay well i didn't really <laughs> story does great clicks i'm not getting an immediate raise that's not how it works but what he's saying essentially <laughs> is like yeah of course like you know it's good for media business when you have um when you have stories that people are interested in obviously uh, I don't really necessarily see the correlation how it takes money out of their pockets. Does it lead to losing and maybe making less money in the future? I guess maybe. But but he's saying all this while he's continuing to double down on this situation. And we're all going to go out and write stories about it immediately that people are going to click on. <laughs> yeah, he's doing the same. He's doing the same. It was such That was a fascinating quote that I've never seen it put that way. And I don't almost don't understand it because, I mean, the <laughs> reason the NFL media exists with with these teams is because it's mutually beneficial. I mean, the fact that we provide, you know, this coverage 
does generate interest, whether the players, teams, or NFL. I mean, the NFL admits it. That's why we still have access in the locker room. But whether the teams want to acknowledge it and the players, like, it does help. It does help. I think so, yeah, they, that, they, that was interesting. They want to just have any, like, kind of strong or, or, or enemies that they can create to create yeah. this sort of cohesion within them and in us against, you know, they do this all the time. It's like a like a military brainwashing type thing. Where like they're trying to convince these guys that everyone's against you, and it's it's nonsense. You know, it's like yeah. we're not against them. We don't we don't you know we're not sitting here at night at home you know laying in bed or put my kid to bed thinking about ways to screw the giants. <laughs> Literally not how it works. I don't you know it doesn't have any impact on my life. Okay. Like, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I thought that was I thought, and I guess. Um, I, I should have brought that up in the moment that he was doing what was basically he was escalating a situation and and honestly like okay he put he basically put it out there you know he lauded his own reputation about how he's this great leader um, with his defense and like okay that's fine but like you know people you're being paid to produce results you're one of the most prominent defensive coordinators in the NFL you have this reputation you haven't lived up to up to it, it now granted their offense being a disaster is a problem for the defense because the defense was on the field for 15 more minutes in the offense in that Oof. game but they're getting they've gotten torched way too often and been uh, the first half in vegas aiden o'connell ripping them apart for 24 points and 240 yards is wink martindale the biggest issue with this team right now no but he's he's an issue and he's like the performance of the defense is an issue and inconsistent defense that's only played well in flashes and so he's got to me like this target on his back now because he um, you know, he, but fine. If he wants to embrace it, fine. But that's the reality of it. I, he did. He definitely didn't squash the story. That's for sure. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to see, you know, the different, you know, bugaboos that the fan bases have. And obviously the giants fans have their frustration about just kind of the, the, the way the inconsistency. And then you, you go back to the jets and I was talking about how, you know, Robert Sala and Joe Douglas are safe going into this year, but the, the, the problem is that like now the the margin for error next year is nothing because of because of you know at least Giants fans have almost every Giants fan alive who's of you know drinking age has a a really strong memory of them winning a Super Bowl or multiple Super Bowls, while the Jets have you know every Jets fan alive of drinking age has a strong memory of Mark Sanchez running into the center's ass and you know, fumbling the ball during a meltdown on Thanksgiving. And that, that's, you know, the, the, the crowning achievement of this Jets franchise, unfortunately, for, since 2010. So um, the, the frustration that the fan base has is so high. And it, it's just like, if it isn't what they think it's going to be at the start of next year, and it was kind of going to be like this this year too with Rodgers. I think, you know, he was going to have to deliver to, to avoid – kind of the wrath of this fan base but if it if it wasn't that it was going to be a problem and that that's what is concerning if i was robert Sala and joe douglas for next year is like they have no option because the window is going to be running out where you're going to have to pay guys like garrett wilson and sauce gardner they're going to be going into their fourth year of their contract the next year um and you have this frustration i mean the jets offensive rankings since 2015 when they had a pretty good year with Fitzpatrick and they were ranked 10th in overall offense. Since then it's 2016. They were 26th, 2017, 28th, 2018, 29th, 2019, 32nd, 
Again, last place in 2020, 26th and 25th in 2021 and 22, and now they're 30th, like you said. So uh, it is, it's not just that they're bad this year. It's that like they've been this bad for eight years. I mean, they have not had a competent offense in eight years, and you throw that on the longest playoff drought in franchise history and the longest active drought in the NFL uh, for, for a team that, a franchise, a fan base that already had all of these reasons to be like upset for the way things have gone since 1960, you know, since January of 1969. Uh, it's, it's a powder keg. So yeah, the, I think they miscount Robert Sala has already miscalculated and Joe Douglas, they miscalculated last year, like how the fans responded to them kind of, you know, plummeting off the radar at the end of the season. And I think they, they've misguided or, or they've, they've misjudged again, like how forgiving fans would be after losing Aaron Rodgers, And at a certain point, it's going to come back to, to bite them because, you know, it's going to affect the bottom line in terms of, you know, the ticket sales and stuff like that. I mean, I'm sure they'll do fine again with, with season tickets for next year, but in terms of the extra, you know, selling out every game, you can already see, you know, like Monday night against the chargers, it wasn't a complete sellout. And, for a team that was at that point in the driver's seat in the AFC East uh, before losing two straight games to under 500 teams, it's, it's, it's a delicate balance. So it is really interesting to see how it's all going to play out. And it's so much like, I'm sure Giants fans can see it, you know, looking across the way, there's just so much angst and frustration and anger among this fan base. And rightfully so that it, it adds another um, element of desperation to the whole thing. And if and if Jet fans are being honest with themselves, they're recognizing what you were saying earlier, which is Aaron Rodgers is the one who holds all the cards here. And so if Aaron Rodgers wants Nathaniel Hackett back, he's back. If Aaron Rodgers wants his coaching staff back, they're back. I mean, I think the only yep. variable is right. I, I yeah, Zach Wilson's probably gone, right? Um, you think, right, but, so, so, but who knows they're, at this point? They're not going to run it back with him as the backup quarterback. I wouldn't think, but. Um, but yeah, so so that that creates this incredibly high standard for if you're if you're basically like letting this guy completely run your franchise essentially. Uh, well, okay, well, better win a lot of games. <laughs> yeah, deep in the playoffs to make this whole charade worth it, and to not and, and to not have us people not look back at it as a charade, you know. Because if, if 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 they don't win, then that's what everyone will look at it as. Like it was worth a shot, I guess, but it was just a you know, a typical Woody Johnson led Jets failure is how it'll be looked back on and bad injury luck, of course, but could Woody Johnson have foreseen that? No, but um, I think so. Uh, obviously there is certainly future considerations for the Jets as they look ahead to their next season, but there's also obviously an eye on the rest of this season. I mean, you look, look at the, what the Jets have ahead at four and five, they get, uh, uh, um, uh, let's see. So, um, yeah, they got the they got the Bills this weekend. Oh, Wikipedia. then they play. This is what I guess the, the Dolphins. Wikipedia, Wikipedia yeah. has already put the Jets losing. Uh, the Jets winning thirty-one to nothing. I was just checking the schedule <laughs> against, the, against the Bills. Yeah, yeah they, I mean, they, two key games here in a what a five-day stretch. And the Texans um, aren't bad either. By the way, that game's getting flexed to Monday, the December eleventh. So have fun with that. Um, oh. I, I did not know that. I'm guessing it will because the, Gi- <laughs> the current game there is Giants Packers. Oh, so the Giants are such a home game that the only game they can move is Texans Jets, and so maybe with CJ Stroud playing well, they might move it. But when Rogers potentially coming back, although we can get into that if you want. But 
Yeah, who knows? I mean, yeah. He basically said he mid-December is what he's targeting, and then... Oh, yeah, and he said uh, Pat McAfee... I, I actually, while we're recording this podcast, he said something like his plan is to be back with the team apparently every day around Thanksgiving. So I, I, I'll just short version... I will believe it when I see it that the Jets are going to put a 40-year-old. He turns 40 on December 2nd. A 40-year-old man is going to make the quickest recovery from Achilles surgery, and they're going to actually risk. Because if he pops it again or suffers a setback, it's over. His career is probably over. All of the investment the Jets made in him is over. And this team is very well. If they lose the next two games, they're going to be out of the playoff race. So they'll be. I will be believe it when I see it. Yeah, it'll be four and seven. So, you know, the Dolphin game being on Black Friday right after Thanksgiving, uh, you know, it'll be a lo- little bit still till mid-December. And at that point, a four and seven with what Falcons at home, Texans at home coming up. Thing and every go. team in the AFC in uh, with at least five or six wins, if, except for the Patriots at this point. I mean, yeah, just the, the, I don't even think if they win those games, I, I will believe it when I see it. That is my uh, from from things I've heard and from my personal belief, I will believe it when I see it. I just I can't yeah. I cannot imagine it happening even for the Jets, but we will. And see. It might be a moot point if they're out of contention. Yeah. Then, then they're just gonna you know there won't even be a maybe he'll just come to his senses, even if he's physically ready, and that's an if at this point. And so uh, yes, obviously the season is um, still some meat on the bone here for for, for the Jets to kind of claw back into the conversation. I think it's a small, if they're in the if they win next week and maybe or Miami or certainly both would be crazy, but. Uh, and to be in the conversation entering December, I think that's a small victory for this Jet team. Say they go and get into December and they're five and six. Uh, I mean, that's good. That's I understand everyone will be pissed about the offense, but like um, that's, I think, a small victory for this team to be even in the conversation, uh, given the state of their quarterback thing. So it's not like they were waving the word, you know fans are giving up on the season and just saying, let's look ahead to next year, even though there is some of that look ahead to next year because you can't help it because there's the Rogers carrot out there. Um, yeah, and the frustration of this offense. I mean, it's hard for yeah. – I understand why fans are, are, are that way. But, yeah, they, I think it is. And it goes back to Robert Sala, good coach, which you know, which is the question you're asking in year three. And a lot of people are going to say they're completely out on him. And some people are you know, too far in on him. I think, like, he has, he has shown potential to be a good coach because he's figured out how to motivate his players. He's figured out how to get them to believe they can beat anyone. He has not figured out the details, and there's just countless examples of it just from the other night in terms of the way he managed the clock at the end of the game. Oh, not all of his fault. Oh. Not all his fault because he was chasing after the official, but, like, the fact that he's not on the correct side of the official, like, Gotta just that, that, that he doesn't – he shouldn't be watching what's happening. His, that's his only job at that point is to get the timeout. So, again – all plays on offense or defense. Yeah. So, so, again, I'm not – the official – could have and should have heard him and should they should have because he was calling timeout the second it ended. But the fact that he wasn't in the right position, I'll give him a little bit of a pass. The thing where Garrett Wilson was looked at for like five minutes on the sideline, he threw like oh started playing catch with Tim Boyle, the backup. He he was standing 10 feet from him. He bounced the ball halfway to him. And then they kept playing catch. Somebody else, you know, was completing the passes for Garrett Wilson. 30 minutes later, the Jets call a trick play that, that asked Garrett Wilson to pass the ball. I mean, how does that happen? Like stuff, stuff like that, the penalty situations, he has not figured out the details. He has not bench players who need to be benched until it's too late. That stuff he has not figured out. I, so I think like the book isn't out on him all the way as a head coach yet. And I, if he, the jets end up getting rid of him next year, I think he'll probably get another shot, but it, it's really interesting 
it's a really interesting conversation. And but the fact that he's got them in this situation with as bad as their offense has been, and that the locker room hasn't you know torn itself apart. Now this is the second straight year where the exact same thing is happening. I think th- yeah, there's there is something to be said for that in terms of you know it, it is it is a victory and. victory isn't the right word, but it's not nothing. And, you know, for everything to go as wrong as it did on the fourth play of the season, uh, for them still to be in the hunt here, it's not nothing. But, yeah, they have to figure out a way. And I think, like, that's the thing. This is the hope that Jets fans should have, is, like, they don't have to be a good offense. They have to be, like, just not, like, the bottom – a bottom three offense in the NFL. They have to score, like, maybe a touchdown a game, maybe average, like, 19 points a game – because they keep losing games where they're they're giving up like less than than twenty points. That that's the problem. They can't lose those games. They have to figure out a way just to move the ball, just to to get in the end zone once a game. And if they can do that, they can go on a run here, even though their schedule is not easy. And on the other side of it, the Giants just—I mean, what a catastrophe season on so many levels. The injuries, now the implosion stuff that then you know they can downplay it all they want but the optics that at least of an implosion and and the incompetence um certainly and again i get the injuries are a big part of it obviously you're not going to win in the second half of your season if you're having to start the third string quarterback the whole way you're just not going to win pretty much at all and the the task here for Brian Dable in year 2 is to keep a lot this locker room together that's it that's it. And to not lose every game by a million points, you know, so, and to, and to feel the uh, competent defense, just, be, you know, just because you're down to, you know, quarterback hell doesn't mean you, your defense has to give up 640 yards, which is what happened the other day in Dallas. And so do I think we talking, talking about these two coaches, right? Like do, what, what do you make a Dable or what does one make with a Royal U, I guess, make of Dable? Uh, you know, he's 4-12-1 and one in, in, in his last 17 games in the regular season in which they played starters, not counting Week 18 last year. That's a full regular season worth, going back to last year, of mostly losing. And now, yeah, a lot of it, some or some of it stems from quarterback attrition this year. But remember, I mean, they got destroyed in, in three games that Daniel Jones started and finished. Seattle this year, San Francisco this year, Dallas, the first Dallas game this year. Um, and they were getting spanked by 18 and wound up losing by 15 in Miami spanked when he, when he was got hurt and hurt his neck and went on to lose by 15. So early in the fourth quarter, he got hurt. So, um, I think John Merrill will not have the stomach to do another two and done here, uh, after Ben McAdoo, Pat Shermer, Joe judge for a couple of reasons. I think, uh, well, maybe three, right? So like the quarterback attrition here is more prolonged and pronounced than what Joe judge dealt with late in his second season. Number one, number two, Brian Dable won last year. He won a playoff game. I think he'll get the benefit of the doubt there. And number three, they are going to be drafting a quarterback high next year. Everyone, you know, right. So if you think this guy is a quarterback molder um, who molded Josh Allen, right. From a guy who was considered to be a raw project player to a very successful player. And now you see like this year, he's obviously he played, you know, last year without Brian Dable, but Josh Allen tailing off a little bit this year. So you wonder like how much did Brian Dable have to do with his success? Uh, if you do think he's that type of guy, and I, I'm sure they do, then, then let him mold whoever you bring in here as a high draft pick quarterback. And so, um, I, I think that that's where it's going to go in barring a Joe judge, like press conference meltdown from Brian Dable. You know, if he, I, I have, I, it's hard for me to envision him doing anything other than grunting his way through these post-game press conferences. <laughs> uh, and you know what? Um, you know, we're, we're, reporters get annoyed with that, but 
that is not making the headlines like Joe Judge made with his like Gettysburg address on acid thing that he basically gave at the end of that year. You know, that was a lot. That was a lot longer than the Gettysburg address. Yeah, get you know, <laughs> it was. It was right. Like a lot, a lot longer. Yeah. Oh my gosh, and like. You just can't embarrass yourself like that. And so there the, right, there have been these touches of in, in, embarrassment embarrassing moments. The season's been an embarrassment. The the implosions on the sideline the other day, fiery moments were not good looks. You can't have much, you can't have more of that. And that's why I think we need to hear from John Mara. Like where where is he here? You know, he kind of smugly blew off reporters at the owners' meetings and the fall owners meeting. Uh okay, you know, like your team's a disaster. Like, show up and answer some questions. It's your team, you know? So um, I think that that's, you know, quit hiding. Let's hear from you. I wrote from it today, wrote wrote about it today. So um, obviously the draft, I mean, we've talked here now for almost 35 minutes and uh, we and we can kind of wind down here before we do our pick with just draft stuff. I, You know, this time of year, just what, week and a half before Thanksgiving, normally we're in the past we've both been doing like oh mock draft for giants mock draft for jets at this point like i don't think our jet jet fans are not yet in uh tankathon land yet we're tankathon being tankathon.com great website summer teetering yeah it's like uh, we got got the life support tweets we've got the season on life support tweets okay all right so the giants but there's also the hope like if the jets win this weekend and miami loses or i can't remember exactly what it is, but they could theoretically be playing for the division lead still next week somehow. I, yeah, I don't know how it's possible, but it is possible. Meanwhile, the Giants, of course, haven't lost seven of eight. Their fans are, you know, they they are they, the Tankathon's the homepage right now, you yeah. know. <laughs> so, uh, and and really on Sunday, as the Giants were getting just completely blasted uh, by the Cowboys, the Cardinals were beating the Falcons, which means Cardinals are now two and eight. Uh, and so the the draft order looks like this: the Bears at number one because they have Carolina's pick, and Carolina's one and eight. The Giants are sitting there at number two right now at two and eight because they win the strength of schedule uh, tiebreaker over. And it's strength of schedule; it's not head to head. Head to head stuff only comes in if teams have the exact same strength of schedule. Um, the first tiebreaker is always strength of schedule. So whether it's a two way tie, a three way tie. So the Giants at two and eight at number two at number three are the Pats at two and eight, and of course that they got a game coming up. The two of these two teams. Um, not this week, obviously giants in Washington, the following week, Pats at giants. And then the Cardinals at number four, they're two and eight. Um, and then you got the bears at five at three and seven. Um, but so like the bears could definitely take a quarterback. The, the Patriots, no doubt could take a quarterback would the Cardinals, I think are probably going to play their way down in the draft order. Cause Kyler Murray's back, uh, which is big for those teams at the top of the draft. The question for the giants is, will they wind up with their first choice at quarterback at number one or, they're second or the third. So you're talking maybe Caleb Williams, Drake May, uh, or is Michael Penix, is he worth, uh, and that's how we're going to pronounce his last name for now, right? I think that's to avoid. Slip yeah, um, yeah not, we're not going to do what Desmond Howard did a few weeks ago. Yeah. And we'll it, leave it at that. Is, is, is he worth a number three pick? So, or do you just take, or do you take Marvin Harrison there and trade up into the bottom around one with one of your with your extra second round pick as ammo and take a quarterback there if he falls. So I I know we, you know neither of us have spent a lot of time studying film of these quarterbacks, but um I don't know, man. Like the, the quarterback hit rate, you never know, right? Like where Patrick Mahomes was drafted and Josh Allen was drafted, Lamar Jackson was drafted, just goes to show you don't always have to get like the first guy. 
Yeah, or we're Tom Brady. We're Tom, I mean, not, yeah. obviously an extreme example, the most extreme example. But yes, yeah, you you don't, and it's sometimes like I think trade or like picking at the top of the draft is a little bit. You know, if you're in a position to pick at the top of the draft and you can trade down and get a guy five to ten, not only are you helping yourself out by getting yourself an extra asset, but you're helping that guy out because the the amount of pressure on a Zach Wilson, even compared to a Daniel Jones, like yes, Daniel Jones picked very high, but he wasn't the number two overall. He wasn't the number two overall pick in the draft. He wasn't picked over every other quarterback but Trevor Lawrence. There isn't this like immediate. You, know, you can you can bring him along a little bit more slowly. I mean, the, I, I think when you're picked so high, when you're one of those top two, three picks, it it it's a different ball game for any player, but especially a quarterback. So uh, you know, and then the Jets, the big issue for them looking forward is they're going to have to draft a quarterback soon. They have they really have to draft a quarterback this year, and then you're walking that line with Aaron Rodgers. If you really can't draft a quarterback in the first round, because is that going to I mean, you really need to if it's what's best for the franchise. Uh, but will they? I don't know because they, they don't want to do the same thing the Packers did and piss off Aaron Rodgers. And then so Joe Douglas's record drafting quarterbacks has been bad. Is he going to trust him? To, do you even trust him to find ones? It, it's a yeah, it's a tough spot for the Jets right now. They're gonna let Rodgers, in that regard. Are they going to let Rodgers in the war room? Yeah, I mean, he's got a headset on the sideline. And by the way, uh, you know, there's a limited amount of uh, headsets on the sideline. So they had to take one away from somebody else. I haven't been able to review the tape to figure out exactly who it is, but it's, it's interesting. It's the, I mean, gosh, it, the whole thing is, it's still hard to believe that any of this has happened, including the Jets getting Aaron Rodgers. but the way it's panned out, it seemed like is, has any of this really happened? It's just, he's just standing on the sideline watching games for the Jets and walking now at a brisk pace, two and a half months or less than two and a half months after Achilles, Care and we're talking about him coming back in December. I mean, it's it's the Jets, so this is what you, you expect. You talk I guess. about just two seasons here with the Jets and Giants, where so many things have just, were just been unforeseeable. Like, who could have ever foreseen this or that? Or we could go down the list of who could have ever foreseen dot dot dot. You know, and Tommy DeVito certainly being one of them. And so, but these teams, obviously, part of the NFL is dealing with the reality of the situation. And and for the Giants. It's sort of like, uh, you know, Tyra Taylor could come back, I guess, maybe from his ribs injury. But a lot of Giants fans are saying, no, no, no. You know, we want to get the top top pick or the second pick. And and on the flip side of the whole conversation about you could get a guy at the Allen range and the Mahomes range or the Lamar Jackson range. And he could be really, really good is what happened with the Jets in 2020. So the Jaguars started 2020, 1-0. <laughs> and They lost every game the rest of the way. They won 1-15. The Jets, as Jet fans will remember, started 0-13 in the final year, right? The final year of Adam Gase. Mm -hmm. uh, then they pulled off one of the biggest upsets in the history of the NFL and they beat the Rams in LA. And this is the COVID year. So there were no fans. Can I just pop in here just real quick, Daryl? I yeah. just want to, I think there I were want people to understand. Yeah. I just want people to understand the Jets two games before that had lost on a Hail Mary to the Raiders where yes. there's zero blitz, zero blitz. And, and Greg Williams got fired, even though like they, the Jets clearly didn't want to fire anybody during the season. He gets fired. They go to Seattle. Now, th this was supposed to, when the schedule was created, the idea was they'd go to Seattle, stay out west, and then go to L.A. But because of COVID, they fly to Seattle. They get housed by 35 points. 37. They fly back to – 37. Okay, thank you. They fly back to Jersey. 40 to 3. And then they 
and then they fly back to LA to face a Rams team where they, I don't. They may have been twenty point dogs. It may have been it was worse. Seventeen and a half. I think it, it was. It was Yeah, it was a huge. And then they. It was the only time I've ever picked the Jets to lose by more than twenty. And they. And then they won. And they won because a punter made a tackle. I mean, you just can't. And then the punter, of course, because it's the Jets. Uh, Braden Mann ended up being a disaster who cost some games last year where they were trying to win with a bad punt against the Patriots. So, I mean, you cannot make this stuff up for the Jets. Sorry, I, then I they just had to, had to interject they there. Beat, they beat the Browns the next week. The uh, Browns had no wide receivers because of COVID. Uh, like, they so literally they were, did not have any wide receivers on the roster. It was unbelievable. So it didn't end know. up affecting their draft position, that that win. It was the uh, – I, I firmly believe if they had lost the game to the to the Rams, they would have lost out. So it would, it would have been over, but oh, I, they didn't. I, I guess. Did you recall what the strength of schedule tiebreaker would like? Once, if if they finished one and fifteen, and the Jags had finished one and fifteen, would the Jags still have gotten the number one pick? I think, I think it was, I think it was like close, but I think the Jags, I think it leaned towards the Jags. I, I think their schedule yeah, right. was really hard that year. Yeah. I mean, either so way, uh, the Jets obviously outright had the number two pick. There was no tiebreaker involved, so that goes yeah. to. And and of they would have they would have gone zero and sixteen if they lost. It was the last year of the sixteen game schedule. They would have gone zero and sixteen. I firmly believe it if they had lost that game in L.A. But <laughs> they did not. And, and that was kind of the end for uh, for golf too in L.A. I think that's when they were like, yeah, we've had enough. And then of course there could I mean look does Trevor Lawrence look like a future Hall of Famer? Not not necessarily right, but not right uh, now. Yeah, the gap. So like right, like just looking at his. His numbers had a rough year after a 95 quarterback rating last year. He's at 89 this year. So he looked like he was on his way to being a great player last year, but the, but he's not quite there yet, but the gap between, I mean, maybe he'll go down as a bust quite frankly, because the standard for number one pick is so high, but the gap between him and Zach Wilson is just enormous. So um, the jets had Trevor Lawrence right now, the jets would be a content, like a legit contender. Cause like we said, they don't need to be a good offense. They need to be a, like yep. they need to be able to possess the ball and score a touchdown once, at least once every two weeks. That would help. Yeah. I think that they, once every two weeks is not too much to ask. Um, yeah. And so as uh, yeah, anyway, so just a trip down memory lane there as we look ahead to the rest of this giant season and yes, whether you pick one or two can matter depending on how the, the quarterback class winds up looking. And it's a very inexact science, uh, not just, you know, you know, it's an in, it's 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 just it is. I mean, we're assessing these quarterbacks. So. Jalen Hurts, where he was picked, what first pick of the second round or something? Last pick of the first round? I think he. I know he was lower. He was. Uh, I looked it up earlier uh, this year for for um, or recently. He was fifty third. So no, there you go. My goodness. Uh, yeah. So yeah, there you go. So uh, and and the, and the Hurts situation is why even if Daniel Jones played out the year in average fashion why Joe Judge very well could still have drafted a quarterback next year Joe Judge Joe, Joe Shane uh because you know it 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 it's a position where it pays to be bold and you, you know yes. the downside to missing on a quarterback in the second round when you already have Daniel Jones in your roster is is not as significant as the potential upside to hitting on that player and so um that's what they did. They drafted Jalen Hurts when Carson went, oh, why did you get Carson Wentz? Well, Carson Wentz turned out not very good as a teammate or a player. Yeah. So, uh, and, of course, the Jets rebuffed uh, Carson Wentz, who wanted to uh, 
come join them. I, you know, maybe too much, too many ego, too much ego juice there between with Wentz and, and Rogers in the room at the same time. I won't. Yeah. I'm not going to, I'll, I'll rip the jets for not making a trade for a guy like Josh Dobbs when that's all they need to win right now. But I'm not going to rip them for not going after Wentz who seems uh, like a handful. Yeah. And it hasn't, it doesn't, it's not like he's been playing, you know, a lot better than Zach Wilson has played this year in the last couple of years either. I know it's a very low bar, but. So we will wrap it up here with uh, talking about, and we don't, you know, obviously there's no need to uh, break down too many of the X's and O's for this Giants commanders game, but I'll just give a pick here. I, the Giants are going to lose the, they're right now, nine and a half point dogs in Washington against the commanders or in the beautiful city of Landover, Maryland, I should say against the commanders. Were you eating before you get the pick where importantly, where, where, where's Daryl Slater getting a meal? In the greater Washington DC. If you if you're willing to reveal this information, I don't want to put you on the spot. I'm sorry. I will be eating the I'll be taking the train down Saturday night. Uh after um my my child's fourth birthday party on Saturday. And uh late, late train Saturday nights with not a far train ride from central Jersey-ish to uh um to to New Carrollton, uh, right near the stadium. And I'm going right to the courtyard going to sleep, getting up, eating a courtyard Marriott breakfast, eating the very depressing media food at the worst stadium in the NFL. <laughs> then I think I may get to treat myself after the game to a delicious Wegman sandwich. Uh, oh, before an that's not a bad choice. Home. Yeah. So it's going to be a little bit of a time crunch. Can I go from, can I get from, I don't feel like bringing my bag with me to the game. Maybe I'll have no choice. I'll probably bring the bag to the game, go from game to Wegmans, to train, to home, to the bed. That's it's always right up the train too. Like leave the game a little early after you know finish the stuff yeah. for the morning on the train. So you, sure. you got options. Yeah, rolling the dice with the Amtrak Wi-Fi though, and uh, so yeah, I think the Giants are going to lose this game. I think their defense plays better because Sam Howell is not a very good quarterback. I think the Giants will lose. I don't know. Let's just say twenty-one seventeen, just for argument's sake. It'll be respectable. Um, their offense scored seventeen last week against the Cowboys. Um, but uh, yeah, what what about in, in You'll feel free to get into more of the nuts and bolts for for Jets Bills. Um, what yeah? Uh, what are your what are your what are your Jets Bills thoughts and where um, where will you be getting uh, your Buffalo wings? Yeah, I'll 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 start with the wings. We'll break that down quickly. All, all good options are obviously Anchor Bar is the the stand. You know the the long time standalone kind of big time option if you're thinking about Buffalo wings, but I also like Gabriel's gate. I also like Duff's a lot. And bar bill is a, is yep. a new place on my radar that, I, that I'm really high on. So I think the jets beat of uh, th- those of us, we, we're pretty tight knit group crew. And, and a lot of times we'll have like a meal together. So I think we'll, we'll probably be spotted at one or perhaps two of those places during the short trip to Buffalo. I think uh, most of us fly an early afternoon uh saturday and, and are out very early on on monday morning but yeah i mean you can't go wrong with any of those choices but i gotta say i'm looking forward to to bar bill that place is that, that place is newly on my radar and it's very the, the wings and the beef on weck is is for real so if, if Ooh, any yeah. yeah any jets fans or giants fans making that trip uh it's close to the stadium too so for a 425 game uh a good pregame option I, you know with the with the actual game, it's interesting because I think it's not going to get any easier for for Josh Allen. I think with Brady, it's an X factor, and I think it helps 
the Bills, but also like they played a game on Monday night. It's a short week. How much are they really going to be able to change before a Sunday game? And I think if they try to change too much, they're going to run into trouble. I just, just, I've, I've realized in my eighth year on this beat, you have to embrace the insanity and nothing would make, nothing would be more insane than the Jets beating the Bills the way things have gone to, to knock the Bills below 500. It just feels like I, it's going to happen. I think the way, the Jets match up with them the way that Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed don't even have to travel to take away digs and and to really limit what Gabe Davis can do. And and that just makes it really hard for Josh Allen to operate. You're you're asking him to make those touch throws that, you know, those mid-range throws that just aren't his strength and haven't been his strength since his rookie year. And it, you know, for all the improvements that he's made. You know, the, the biggest thing I think Brian Dable did with him is eliminate those kind of touch throws, those those mid-range throws from like him having to rely on those to succeed. So I, I just feel like the Jets are gonna somehow win this game and somehow <laughs> I don't I don't know why. Um they're they're so due for a touchdown that you know they're going to score one at some point, or maybe it'll be another one play wonder with Brees Hall, maybe maybe with Garrett Wilson. That's kind of more my feeling here. I think they'll have something. They'll draw something up that'll get Garrett Wilson open. They'll score a touchdown early and, and they'll get a 17-13 win and and just throw the AFC East into complete disarray because that's what the Jets do. Sure. Why not, right? That's the motto of yep. this season. Sure, why not? You know, the whole season uh, is is just the just Jets season is just a, the NFL season version of the shrugging hands guy emoji. Uh, yeah. <laughs> eh, well, yeah, yeah, I guess, right? Yeah. Um yeah, and just like you Always said, roll, be this way. roll with the insanity. Um, all right, thanks everybody for joining us, Jets and Giant fans alike. Um, be sure to you know, Jeff fans, let everybody know that we're we're doing this kind of as a Jet Giant thing for the rest of the season. New York football podcast, if you will, New Northern New Jersey football podcast, since that's where these teams play, obviously. And uh, be sure to you know check nj.com/jets for all of Andy's coverage, nj.com/giants. For all of our Giants coverage and be sure to of course subscribe like rate review all your favorite podcasting platforms etc cetera, etc cetera. so thanks everybody for listening um enjoy the rest of your week hang in there uh weird kind of <laughs> strange ad- adversity filled times for these teams but you know you guys are used to it you know this has been <laughs> this has been the reality for a few years now so uh everyone have a great week enjoy uh the games if you're if you happen to be going to the Bill Stadium, which is an honestly an awesome old NFL stadium, uh, or Washington Stadium, which is the ninth circle of hell. Okay, thanks everybody <laughs> for joining us, and we will talk to you soon.